This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Didn't think that it could feel any less like baseball season than uh, watching uh, the childhood team of mine be eliminated from postseason play uh, earlier this week. It is now snowing today. So, yep. It is snowing in Denver, Colorado. We should tell people it where is, you actually are. Is. Yeah, yeah, true. I guess if you're a nerd who follows this podcast, you know that. But, um, yeah, it is currently snowing in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I'm recording this podcast at uh, 1245-ish on uh, Wednesday, October 10th. It is snowing. The dog and I went outside earlier today, and it was kind of like rain mixed with snow. And I was like, all right, maybe this will stop. Won't have to deal with it. And it is now like full-out snowing. I just imagine Leica giving you a look like, is it like this all the time? Yeah, she hates it. She hates the cold. She hates the rain, even like when it's warm out. Um, but when it's cold and there's precipitation in the air, she just wants nothing to do with it, which is fine because neither do I. So, you know, that works out okay. But, uh, yeah, no, not not a day for it, as Todd Van Steensel would say. Um, so, hey, with that, we welcome you into this uh, latest edition of the uh, Show Before the Show podcast from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Vaughn in Denver, Colorado. Sam Dykstra is in balmy New York City, from what I hear. Hello, Sam. Yeah, it's upper 70s here. Uh, uh-huh. I went to Game 4 of the American League Division Series last night, uh, which, if any of you watched that, was one of the most exciting games I've ever been to in person and one of the most uh, anxiety-inducing ninth innings I've ever seen. But, um, yeah, it, it was weird sitting at that game because I'm so used to watching postseason baseball you know, up here in the Northeast and, and thinking, like, everybody's in overcoats and you can see everybody's breath and, uh, you know, it, it just paints a picture. And last night, everybody's in T-shirts, a lot of people in shorts. It, it just felt off. Um, but, you know, the baseball counted all the same. It was really fun to watch. And uh, it'll be really cool to continue to watch, to, you know, now that we're down to four teams here, the Brewers and the Dodgers in the NL and the, the Astros and the Red Sox here in the AL. Um, but, you know, that that's the major leagues. We're here to talk about the minor leagues. We and are. this is one of my more fun episodes we get to do every year, I would say. Yeah, this one's always good, um, as uh, this week's episode is number 181 of the Show Before the Show podcast. And wherever you found us, thanks for tuning in. You can check us out at MILB.com slash podcast. All of our past episodes are there, as well as Apple Podcasts and Google Play and everywhere else. And you can give us a rating and a review and a subscription if your service allows you to do so. And you can get in touch with us as well, podcast at MILB.com, with your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns. Um I actually got a couple emails uh, this week, which uh, we may get a chance to get to as well. But we have a lot to get to with category number one in strike one today. And that is the 2018 Milby Awards are here. That's really our only strike today. It's not even a, a full-on three strikes thing. Um, it's a, kind of a different episode because we've got the Arizona Fall League, which started yesterday. We'll discuss that. Um, but we will also break down every category in the Milbies. You can vote for the best in minor league baseball in 2018, the minor league baseball yearly awards, the Milbies. Um, and uh, there are a lot of good ones in – there are a lot of categories that are going to be difficult to decide. I think that's kind of what I've narrowed it down to from the Milbies. Like, I know even we did our staff vote, and even our staff vote winners, like, I normally fall pretty much in line across the board – this year, I think I had different selections for like almost half the categories, which doesn't generally happen. Yeah, no, it, it was it was kind of fun to see all the results come in um, from our, our staff votes. And we should just point out, we already have a staff vote just because we're going to be doing st- features on our staff winners. Those will be coming out in, in a couple weeks. Um, but you guys still get to vote. There's still a fan vote winner. They're put next to each other side by side. Uh, it means just as much, really, uh, who wins the fan vote is who won our staff vote. Um, so, yeah, you guys get to have your say. We already had ours, and we'll release the results of that in, in the coming weeks. Um, but, yeah, going through, even getting some of these categories because, you know, I, Ben was in charge of promo of the year. I was in charge of a lot of the team 
uh, prospect, player, pitcher, all those categories that we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, getting some of those down to 10 was really tough. And then having to choose you know, and rank the top three was really difficult. Um, and so I can imagine what it's going to be like for some people out there. Obviously, a lot of people are going to vote for you know their their favorite minor league team or their favorite organization. Uh, I get that. But I'm going to be really interested to see how this shakes out. And we'll kind of go category by category here and, and lay things out for you guys. We will, and we'll get started with top starting pitcher, um, and these are your 10 nominees. Sam and I are wearing our tuxedos, by the way. We give our, our update of that every year um, <laughs> as to whether or not we are wearing tuxedos. And uh, every year we're wearing tuxedos, or you have to trust that we are for this uh, award-themed podcast episode. Um, here they are, the 10 nominees for top starting pitcher. Uh, I guess I should check and make sure that it's 10. It's actually 10, so that's good. It is um, 10. Dylan sees the Chicago White Sox, Michael King, the New York Yankees organization, Dean Kramer from the Baltimore Orioles, Zach Lauther from the Baltimore Orioles, Jesus Luzardo from the Oakland Athletics, Chris Paddock from the San Diego Padres, David Parkinson of the Philadelphia Phillies, Danny Reyes from the Boston Red Sox, Patrick Sandoval from the Los Angeles Angels, of Anaheim and Tuki Toussaint of the Atlanta Braves. Um, Sam, give me some of your standouts from these. Yeah, this was an interesting mix in terms of guys who had the best statistical years and guys we just talked about so much. So Jesus Luzardo, Tuki Toussaint, I think kind of go into that category of felt like we were talking about them week in, week out. Uh, The end stats might not be at least stellar compared to somebody like David Parkinson. Uh, David Parkinson led minor league baseball kind of quietly in ERA. He posted a 1.45 ERA in 124 and a third innings pitched. Uh, back that up with 141 strikeouts. Just a, a stellar year. If he's doing that at the major league level, we're talking about him as an ace. Uh, but we deal here in prospects. And he is, you know, he, he is a good prospect in his own right. Uh, kind of a breakout one in that in that way. Um, but, you know, compare him to somebody like Luzardo or Toussaint. This stuff doesn't exactly stand out exactly the same so um but yeah that, that's what i like about this is that it gets us a chance to not only just talk about top prospects who obviously are our focus um but talk about some of these guys who did go a little bit under the radar but uh you know finished the year on top of a lot of leaderboards uh chris paddock i think actually is a good venn diagram for that a, a kind of middle guy obviously a top 100 prospect um spent the year you know this was his first year back from tommy john surgery only pitched 90 innings between class a advanced lake elsinore and double a san antonio uh, but finished with a 2.10 era between those two stops 120 strikeouts only eight walks which is insane uh for anybody who read my toolship tool shed piece on Chris Paddock and FIP, uh, you'll know what what went into that. Uh, you know, just a killer changeup, really good fastball. They want him to develop the breaking ball, make him uh, allow him to make that next jump. Um, but you know, just stellar control, swing and miss stuff. Uh, really, really cool to see. So, as you go through this list, there might be some of the big names you'll know. Um, you know, Michael King w- might not have been on that list. Now he is, but given the year he had with a 1.79 ERA in the Yankee system. Um, so, you know, uh, again, this is one of those categories where I'll, I'll be interested to see how things go, because if you define it as uh, which prospect had the best year, maybe you're looking at Jesus Luzardo, maybe you're looking at a Dylan Cease or a Chris Paddock. If you're looking at who just had the best year as a starting pitcher in the minor leagues? Okay, I, I think you have to go in the direction of David Parkinson. Uh, but that's the thing about voting is, you know, you're choosing your own path. We're not defining it for you. It's how you want to vote yourself. So a lot of really interesting choices in this category to start us off. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. That's the the theme of the day today. You can vote however you choose. It's all anonymous. This is the democratic process, ladies and gentlemen. And your vote counts. For the Although I will say this. If you want to like tweet at us, what, yeah. If you want to let us you know, voted. yeah. <laughs> this isn't like voting booths where like yeah. oh selfies are illegal. It's no, please like show us you're voting. Yeah, <laughs> we would love to see it. And like if you disagree with something we say here in the upcoming categories, and you want to show us who you voted for and tell us why, we gladly welcome it. You know, we'll yeah. we'll you know put you out to the universe, retweet you, whatever. Um, there are just so many ways you could go on this. I, I'm really interested to see what you guys do. 
top offensive player. Um, a shameless plug. We're recording this on Wednesday. Coming up on Thursday, our first dude on this list will be the first subject of our first Arizona Fall League player profile for 2018. That's Peter Alonzo, the New York Mets organization. Alonzo, a terrific season with Double A Binghamton and Triple A Las Vegas. Currently with Scottsdale in the AFL. They got started last night. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck from the Boston Red Sox organization. Casey Golden of the Colorado Rocky system. This guy named Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays who I would think has a good chance to win this. Uh, he's a nominee, as you may have expected. Uh, Ibanda Elizabeth from the Cincinnati Reds, one of the co-champs in the minor league home run race in 2018, along with Peter Alonso. Um, Eloy Jimenez from the Chicago White Sox. Alex Kirloff of the Minnesota Twins, who was just named the Twins Minor League Organizational Player of the Year not too long ago. Nathaniel, low or low? What, what, which one do we decide for Nathaniel? He's, he's low. He's and then low. Brandon Lau. And then Brandon is low, and it's spelled the same. Yes. That's right. Couldn't remember which was which. Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros and Taylor Ward of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, Sam, you're, uh, you know, I think this conversation begins and ends with Vlad, but there are a lot of, if not for Vlad, this is a wide open field. Right. And, and that's the thing is that I wish we could see who's going to be second. I wish there was kind of secondary yeah. voting. Uh, when I studied abroad in Ireland, you got to rank your candidates, which I always thought was really interesting. Um, and that's how they vote. Uh, this is just, you vote for one player, so I think Vlad is is going to run away with this. But if you chose not to vote for Vlad, and I think the reason you would do that is because he only played 95 games this year in the minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, left knee injury held him back for a good portion of the year. Still put up crazy numbers, obviously, when he was healthy, hitting 381, 20 homers, 20 doubles, uh, 78 RBIs in those 95 games. Just crazy numbers, historic stuff. Was flirting for, with 400 right up until the last couple weeks. Um you would really have to stretch, I think, to not pick him. But maybe you maybe you go with somebody like Peter Alonso, uh, who, again, was somebody we talked about week in and week out, uh, going to the fall league. We all thought he would be in the majors or deserved to be in the majors at the very least, given the way he dominated double-A Binghamton and triple-A Las Vegas. Uh, maybe you go with it, Ibn Del Isabel because you know he, he had 36 homers, but that came in the Florida State League, which is now an FSL record. Uh, maybe you give him some credit for that. That'd be really interesting. Maybe you're a bigger fan of Eloy Jimenez. Uh, you know, Vlad had a good year in terms of slugging and hitting. Eloy's a little bit more of a slugger than Vlad was this year. Uh, how that goes, you know, portrays going forward for the two of them would be really interested to see who ends up with the more career home runs. Uh, but as it stands, I would say Eloy had a better power tool this year than Vlad did. Uh, how do you give you know, do you give Eloy a little extra credit for that? Uh, also spending a little bit longer time at AAA Charlotte. Uh, maybe you do that. So lots of different ways to go here. We have Kyle Tucker and Taylor Ward who put up killer numbers in the PCL. Um, you know, maybe you know the, the PCL is an offensive environment. Maybe you don't want to go that way. But I would also like to point out for Kyle Tucker at the very least, 24 homers, 20 stolen bases, um, doing things that aren't just PCL environment. Uh, reliant uh, and Taylor Ward kind of in a, a little bit t Kyle Tucker light uh, 14 homers 18 stolen bases uh, but it was actually you know had a higher average and a higher OBP than Tucker um, so you know I, I would love to see how people rank these one to ten um, but it, at this point it, it feels like it's very much Vlad Jr. and then everybody else so you can still vote in that category. Don't make it like the Simpsons episode where Bart thought that he was going to be named class president just because everybody liked him and then nobody voted for him because they assumed everybody else was voting for him and then Martin won. <laughs> not the first time that I've drawn that comparison to an election in recent years. Uh, top relief pitcher, Travis Bergen, Toronto Blue Jays, Texas Rangers, Demarcus Evans, Tommy Eveld of now the Miami Marlins, who was uh, a trade acquisition this year, Caleb Frayer of the Chicago White Sox, Tyler Johnson of the Chicago White Sox, Matt Pierpont of the Colorado Rockies, um, Colin Poche of the Tampa Bay Rays, who uh, likewise a draft selection whose numbers are ridiculous this year. Um, a draft selection? A trade acquisition is what I meant to say, not a draft selection. He was at one time a draft selection, but this year was traded. Um, Travis Radke, a left-handed pitcher in the San Diego Padres system. Zach Warren, left-handed reliever in the Philadelphia Phillies system and austin williams a righty in the washington national system there are numbers on this list this is uh my category that i'll be writing up later on this month um that are just i mean outlandish most numbers on this list are outlandish from these guys yeah trying to pick these guys 
trying to get this list down to 10 is almost impossible. Yeah. Um, trying to decide whether you really like control from a reliever. I think it always starts with who just posted the craziest strikeout numbers. Uh, Colin Potter, you mentioned 110 strikeouts in 66 innings. That's just, that's just bonkers. Ridiculous. Uh, and not only did he post a 0.82 ERA, his whip was actually lower at 0.79. Like <laughs> how? What? Yeah. That's, that's absurd. I mean, it, normally your whip is going to be lower than your ERA, but when your e- ERA starts with 0.8. zero, exactly. Yeah, it's, that's really, really difficult. Um, yeah, so we could stare at these numbers all day. I, I'm more interested to hear your take on this, Tyler, just because it is your category. I have breakout prospect of the year, which we'll get to later. Um, but, yeah, when you were going over these and thinking about, like, who you might have to write up, what else was standing out to you other than other than just Potch, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the strikeout numbers so much with relievers nowadays because the era of baseball that we live in where the strikeout is so heavily prized. Um, some of these guys, just the numbers that they put up, you know, DeMarcus Evans, 103 strikeouts in 56 innings. Um, obviously, the numbers that uh, that Colin put up. Um, Travis Radke had 91 strikeouts in 78 and a third. Zach Warren had 100 strikeouts in 56 and two-thirds. Um, that, to me is sort of the the category that carries the day, I think, when people look at these stats lines. But the overall body of work is what's so impressive from all of these guys, really. Um, You know, Travis Bergen had an ERA under one. Tommy Evelds was barely over one. Uh, Matt Pierpont went on a a binge of saving games uh, for AA Hartford. I think he's knocked a little bit because – he was back in Hartford for the third straight season, um, which is something that I'm actually planning on asking uh, Rockies player development director Zach Wilson because his numbers have been so good over the last few years. You kind of wonder why he hasn't been bumped up. There are not many cases like that of guys who were at levels that it seems like they've conquered and they were just kind of still there um, doing great work there. A lot of guys had gone back to levels and gotten it figured out where they hadn't before. Austin Williams is a case of that. Williams was really not that good at double A in 2016-2017. And then this year, 68 innings, 89 strikeouts, 17 walks, a 1.19 ERA, 0.84 whip. Um, I think Colin Pache is going to be really difficult to beat uh, because his numbers are just so absurd. Uh, But I don't think you can go wrong voting for anybody in this category. Yeah, one of the interesting things with this, too, is we tend to kind of lean away from using saves as this because my early teams don't typically have a lockdown um, closer in terms of that. It's a little bit bullpen by committee because you want all your relievers having that experience uh, unless there's somebody who's very clearly, you know, the – closer du jour that you're trying to bring up and make that like i remember yeah. the nationals were talking about that with coda glover a couple of years ago um that that's rarely the, the case you want all of your relievers to get those high level leverage situations and find out which ones can do that um so you won't find too many saves leaders on this list but that's you know that's because of the way we define a dominant reliever is how are you doing uh no matter when you get the ball not just the ninth inning and, um, yeah, if you uh, weren't somebody who was getting those opportunities, it doesn't make your season any less remarkable. I think one category that we neglect to nominate yearly, um, which would just be dominated by Tommy Eveld, would be circumference of bill bend. Tommy Eveld, who's now in the Miami Marlins organization, <laughs> he bends the bill of his cap. I've never seen anybody bend the bill of their cap like Tommy Eveld does. Go look up his headshot. Um, it's like every single picture that I've seen of Tommy Eveld, his bill bend it's just insane to me. I, I, I know that's what got, everybody was voting on. Oh, of course, yes. Um, I got worried there for a second that you, you were gonna like, yeah. There's this one category we <laughs> just always overlook every year. We always seem to forget good baseball player. That's one that we don't <laughs> put out ever. Uh, but yeah, Tommy Evelt is like the if you're if you're one of those crotchety people who gets angry at guys who don't bend their bills, then Tommy is the player for you because he is he is a uh, he's an eighty grade bill bender yeah just bringing up the league average every time yeah, he, yeah. he steps he, on the mound he raises the curve on uh on bill bending um breakout prospect sam your category for the 2018 milby awards and these are the nominees joe adele of the los angeles angels of anaheim peter alonzo the aforementioned mets prospect Kevin biggio in the toronto blue jay system griffin canning and also an angels prospect along with adele uh wander franco one of the three baseball playing wanders franco who's in the tampa bay rays system and uh this one the youngest 17 years old 
unbelievable season for him. Uh, Josh James, who's one of my favorite interviews of the year, um, a pitcher in the Houston Astros organization, now 25 years old, um, who really made a big jump this season. Alex Kirilov coming off of Tommy John surgery in 2017 with the Twins. Terrific year this year. Jonathan Loisiga in the New York Yankees system. Chris Paddock in the San Diego Padres system. And Bryce Wilson in the Atlanta Braves organization. Give us the rundown of the breakout players this year. Yeah, in kind of similar ways to what we've discussed in the other categories so far, it's how you define breakout prospect. Um, you know, we kind of gave you a couple different options here. Um, yes, I, I realize Joe Adele, we'll start at the guy at the top here, uh, was a first-round pick last year, um, saying a, a first-round pick performed well might not be your definition of breakout. Totally understand that. That being said, the guy did climb three levels in his first full season. If that's not a breakout, I don't know necessarily what is. Uh, and a couple other guys, you know, fit that bill. Peter Alonzo, people thought he would be a slugger uh, coming into the year. He was a slugger. That being said, where you know, you you probably listened to our uh, revisitation of the preseason predictions. None of us thought he would be a Bowman Home Run Award winner. Uh, and yet he achieved that this year. Now we're talking about him as maybe one of the best first base prospects and all of baseball weren't quite there coming into the year. So that's a breakout for me. Uh, Kevin Biggio ended up being the Eastern League MVP uh, and he was completely overshadowed coming into the year at double A New Hampshire, you know, by Vlad Jr., by Bo Bichette, um, you know, by a couple other names on that team. He broke out. No, is he a top 100 prospect? Right now, no, but the Blue Jays have moved him to the outfield here in the Arizona Fall League because they want him in their lineup. They've seen enough out of him uh, that he is now a part of their future. And, you know, Toronto's at, at a crux right now. They need as many of these guys to hit, and they believe in Kevin Biggio. So that's a breakout for me. Uh, Wander Franco, I I feel like you know, our staff was kind of split on Wander Franco without giving away the vote here. Um you know, I think a lot of people had him at or near the top of the the list because, you know, he was only 17 this year. He was the best player in the Appalachian League. Skipped over, you know, your, your circuit levels, your Dominican Summer Leagues, your Gulf Coast Leagues. Uh, got placed right in the Appalachian League. Hit 351 there. 11 home runs, seven triples, 10 doubles, four stolen bases. Did everything well. Uh, all the reports you hear on him is that his bat is lightning quick. Um, we're talking about him now as, you know, whenever Vlad Jr. graduates, this is the next guy who seems to be guaranteed to hit at every level he goes to and potentially climbs quickly and maybe makes the majors before he's 20 or 21. Um, we weren't talking about him that way in April. That's a breakout for me. Uh, how do you think about that? Because he was a big international signing, kind of in the similar way to Joe Adele. First-round pick, big international signing, some expectations there, but they exceeded them so much that I would say they broke out. Uh, Alex Kirilov, again, a first-round pick, what was it, two years ago now, um, but did not play at all in 2017. Tommy John surgery, a lot of question marks about how is he going to come back from that. Ends up leading minor league base. Baseball in extra base hits with 71 in 130 games uh, right now or beginning of the year MLB.com didn't have him ranked in the top 100 because they didn't think or they didn't know exactly you know what the extent of the elbow injury was going to be what it was going to be like for him to come back right now he's MLB.com's number 10 overall prospect that's certainly a breakout uh, Josh James like you mentioned Jonathan Loisiga both guys who saw big league time this year um, somebody we weren't talking about in that way coming into the year. So pushing towards the majors certainly helps. Uh, Bryce Wilson also in that category started out the year at Class A Advanced Florida, ended up the year in the Atlanta Braves bullpen, even got a start uh, when they called him up. Um, you know, Now he's also a top 100 guy. So a lot of really interesting roads to breakouts here. They're not, you know, it's not necessarily somebody we weren't talking about to somebody we're talking about. It could be somebody we thought was pretty good. Now we think they're really, really good. Um, how do you judge that? It's going to be up to you guys. But, uh, yeah, a lot of different viewpoints here. It's not just, uh, you know, getting X to Y and who did that best. Best team is always a difficult category um, to decipher who among these groups should be recognized as the best team because they all had terrific seasons for one reason or another, and sometimes it's more clear-cut with individuals, and this is just a tough one to uh, to nail down, but our 10 worthy contenders this year the Biloxi Shuckers the best record in the Southern League won both halves uh, in their division in the Southern League in 2018 Midwest League champion Bowling Green Hot Wads of Corpus Christi Hooks and the Houston Astros organization who posted the most wins of any double uh, A team Tampa Bay Rays 
Second straight season winning the Governor's Cup. Tampa Bay Rays uh, AAA affiliate, the Durham Bulls, a nominee this year. Lakewood Blue Claws, the Philadelphia Phillies Class A affiliate, best ERA in the minor league, uh, in the minor league ranks for any pitching staff. Um, they also led the South Atlantic League in complete games and in saves. Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, the Phillies AAA affiliate, uh, division champions. In their 2018 season, the Memphis Redbirds, who won the Pacific Coast League in the St. Louis Cardinals organization and then avenged their 2017 loss in the AAA National Championship game uh, by beating Durham in that contest. New Hampshire Fisher Cats who were kind of reshaped uh, over the course of the season with some deals uh, that the Blue Jays made and also what was going on with Vlad Guerrero, where he was going to be, the injury, then the promotion. But the Blue Jays affiliate ended up uh, winning the Eastern League title at the end of the season. Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, Los Angeles Dodgers affiliate at Class A Advance. Um, they rolled through the California League playoffs and uh, captured the league championship there. And finally, the Winston-Salem Dash piloted by Omar Vizquel, uh, best record in the Carolina League for the Chicago White Sox affiliate. Um, Sam, this uh, this group, this is a tough category to vote on. Yeah, and, and I usually start with winning percentage uh, for these groups, um, and then the playoffs happen, you know, and, and that certainly affects things. So maybe, you know, you're willing to give credit to, to the Memphis Redbirds, like you said, Tyler, for vanquishing Durham this year in the way they couldn't in the AAA National Championship game. Uh, maybe you give it to Durham because they got back there and, and you know, they lost top prospects in Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers and still did really well. Um, maybe you give it to somebody like Bowling Green who, you know, from beginning to end was just really, really solid all year and the only team in the minors to win 90 games. Maybe you don't because you decide, hey, this is a class A team, um, not much competition there. If you get the right talent together, uh, things can really click. Um, I get that. Uh, maybe you prefer one of the AAA teams who do, you know, there's a lot of turnover at AAA, obviously, and it's it's almost more impressive to me, at least, when a AAA team can do well uh, beginning to end because the guys playing in that AAA national championship game were not the guys on the opening day roster for either team. Uh, Jared Sandberg and Stubby Clapp would be the first ones to tell you that. Um, so maybe you're impressed by that. Uh, it, it's, again, so many different ways to define this. Um, but I, those might be three of mine, I would say, Durham, Memphis, and Bowling Green. Although, shout out to New Hampshire. Um, you know, Thankfully, they did win an Eastern League championship, but I feel like they would have to get on there anywhere, j- anyway just because we did talk about them so much. They were incredibly interesting from beginning to end. Um, like I said, b- the fact that Biggio uh, ended up being the EL MVP was really neat. Um, Bo Bichette played a full year there. Uh, Vlad Jr. was the story of the first half when he was playing for the Fisher Cats. Uh, so, you know, lots of different ways to define best team, but 10 very worthy candidates here. Best farm system, uh, another one that's difficult, but this one's a really fun category to vote on. It's a fun category for us to debate. These are the 10 nominees. The Houston Astros, the Atlanta Braves, Toronto Blue Jays, St. Louis Cardinals, Los Angeles Dodgers, Philadelphia Phillies, San Diego Padres, Tampa Bay Rays, Minnesota Twins, and Chicago White Sox. Um, you can't go wrong with most of these. Um, Sam, what what sticks out most to you about the deciding factors for this category? Yeah, this one I feel like is something we have to always – uh, explain every year because best farm system, usually the way we define it for Mildes is what farm system had the best year. It's not which has the most talent, uh, which are we buying, you know, to, to produce the most major league talent going forward. Uh, although, you know, there are a couple teams on here that fit that bill, you know, the Atlanta Braves get a mention here for that. Uh, you know, San Diego Padres are here for that Chicago White Sox, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, but which team, produced winners at the team level which which you know organization had the best overall winning percentage uh which this year was the tampa bay rays um they you know they not only had the best organizational winning percentage at 604 which would be good for an individual team never mind an entire organization which is insane uh they won two championships between bowling green and durham uh wander franco had a you know like we mentioned a breakout year they graduated Willie Adamas they graduate Jake Bowers uh they have a breakout prospect or or you know he was actually the uh offensive player of the year award nominee in Nate Lowe um lots to like in that Tampa Bay system San Diego Padres kind of similar not necessarily the winning percentage but I think they had 10 top 100 prospects right now maybe you're willing to give them credit for that uh we like to define 
define it as more of an overall award, just not what is the current state of the system. It's how did they perform in 2018? Um, so, you know, that's a one thing we want you to weigh, I, I don't want to push you in a certain direction, um, but I do want this to be an award for 2018, not just who has the most Meyer League talent. So you can vote there as well um, for one of our final uh, categories, non-video related, but we do have three video related categories. Our video categories, top defensively, top home run, and t best blooper. Um, those are fun ones because you get to uh, waste some time at work just don't tell anybody watching all of these videos and then voting on your favorite um and top defensive play presented by terminix in 2018 there are a lot of really really good ones uh williams studio and the red wings of rochester turning a hood and ball trick for the second time in the season um a studio and warwick soppold were able to do that um the uh the diving catch uh into the well i guess more of a, a lunging catch but uh going into the stands eric jenkins of the the downies wood ducks um it was i thought when i remember when that happened and we saw it on twitter and initially requested it and the the video that we first got i don't think had that catch and then we were able to find another angle of it he flips over a fence, comes back with a catch, and then fires a throw in, so he holds a runner. Like, that's a ridiculous play. Um, Scott McGowan, a behind-the-back uh, behind catch uh, to keep a no-hitter going. There's some really good ones this year in uh, top defensive play presented by Terminix. Yeah, no, that, that's one of the fun things about the Meyer Leagues is that um, anything can happen on any night. And when we were going through these, and you know, our friend Kelsey Hannigan, she's – kind of in charge of the video categories. Uh, so she came up with all of these, but th there are so many similar ones that you know this is re the real cream of the crop in terms of, like you said, said that Eric Jenkins catch. There are a lot of guys who have made catches over the wall this year. Uh, all of them impressive, no doubt. But the fact that he went over the wall, landed on his feet, and then had the peace of mind to like throw it back in, yeah. uh, kind of all in one motion is just really, really cool. And yeah, like Tyler mentioned, you could waste as much time at work or if you're like us, you could be at work and part of your job is to watch these videos over and over and over again. Uh, so we would do definitely recommend you doing that and then voting for your favorite. Do it. You can also vote for uh, top home run and best blooper as well among the video categories. Um, photo of the year also is one of my favorite categories, which is up there right now. We'll cover uh, promo of the year coming up in a little while with Benjamin Hill. The only other one that we didn't get to, uh, two that we didn't get to, best performance and game of the year. You can read about those. Um, we've got all the game stories linked from those ones uh, as well, so you can go back and um, read through what those uh, performances and games were like when they happened. And uh, that is all up right now at MILB.com slash Milby's. You can vote in the 2018 Milby Awards. And, uh, yeah, it's the, one of our most entertaining times of the year for us because we get to see all the engagement and uh, and people discussing this in their votes and um, the reasons why they select one thing over another. And then we get to be the ones to write the story looking back on uh, – either a moment or a season or what have you in 2018. Um, and so it's pretty cool. So MILB.com slash Milby's get voting now. And now we'll uh, shift to bring in a third member of this Milby's discussion. Benjamin Hill joins us in uh, just a moment to discuss the promo of the year contenders and a whole lot more as uh, Ben gets set to uh, dive into looking at some of the best on-field promotions, some of the things that didn't involve baseball, but some of the stuff that uh, was the, the most highly thought of on the promo side in 2018. Benjamin Hill joins the show next. Well, as we discussed in Strike One, Milby Awards uh, voting is underway in 2018, and Benjamin Hill is here to discuss uh, the the biggest category for um, kind of the business side of the Milby Awards, and that is Promo of the Year and a whole lot more. Hello, Ben. Hello, Tyler, and hello, Sam. Sam is already shaking his head at me yeah. disapprovingly like a parent who's upset at the behavior of his child because I was blowing a big bubble, and I was hoping it would <laughs> pop like as soon as he finished introducing to me. Uh, and then it, instead it just sort of like petered out on its own accord and Sam's looking at me disgustingly. Excuse me for a second. I'm going to throw this gum out. Well, I should explain myself. I didn't know you were going for the popping noise. I thought you were going to just chew gum for the entirety of your segment that on been this good audio, audio podcast. Yeah. Ye of little faith. I'm a professional. I wouldn't do that. I was just trying to add some pop to the proceedings, yes, you know? Of course, yeah. Tyler can add it, add that in in post. There, there will be a pop that we can assume just ha actually yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah right, right. That would have been a that would have been a good gnat sound effect. 
Um, yeah, well, I'll have to search. I'll just throw in a whole bunch of random sound effects now. There'll be, like, a like a goat in the background and then, like, a car screech. Well, we already get enough car noise being in uh, in New York City with two-thirds of this podcast. Anyway, um, Ben, let's uh, let's discuss the promo <laughs> of the year nominees. There are ten up for Milby voting at MILB.com slash Milby's, and um, they are all over the minor leagues from coast to coast, from level to level. Give us a, a breakdown of these nominees and uh, kind of some of the highlights from these. Yeah, well, um, I'm sure you guys are talking all about the Milbys, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, the promo of the year category is one of the anomalies, uh, Yeah, just in the same way that I'm an anomaly on the, at this website, uh, writing about uh, the promotions and the things taking place uh, off the field or not, not having to do with the players themselves. So the promo of, of the year, Milby, we've been doing this for years and years at this yeah. point. Uh, we'll have to go all the way back to well, about a decade or so. Longer than I've been. I think before yeah. Sam was born even. Well, so. yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, but the format remains about the same. Um, I'm, I'm responsible for compiling the finalists. I, I do, you know, solicit input from others, both, you know, the, you know, from the teams who are looking to get nominated and just some, you know, internal discussions. So I don't want people to think I'm just a one man show in selecting this, but it is uh, my burden at the end of the day to, to select these. And we got 10, uh, 10 nominees and, uh, you can vote, uh, for them <laughs> as the Milby's work. One at a time. Yeah, one at a time. Um, and, you know, promos can be many things. In selecting the Milby Awards, we usually do like a standalone promotions, um, you know, so not like a between inning contest or, you know, a strikeout player of the game type of thing. It's more like something a team did on like one night to make it special. And in some cases, it's a little bit recurring, but um, those are kind of the criteria there to make it more like standalone theme nights as opposed to uh, just day-to-day recurring promotions. Anyway, enough talking here. Um, but what do we got here? We got we got the Albuquerque Isotopes. Uh, you know, I wanted to get one Copa de la Diversion team uh, nominated for a promotion and Albuquerque, the Mariachis, the Nuevo Mexico, Mexico. Yeah, right. They got the Santo. Yeah. Um, you know, I went with that one. It's kind of representative of how successful the Copa identities were this year. But the very first um, game in Albuquerque where they played as the Mariachis, um, they set a franchise attendance record on Cinco de Mayo. So talk about coming out of the gate really strong. And, you know, 16,795, that's a big crowd in that's minor league baseball. Huge. And, um, you know, to come out that strong out the gate with a really uh, great logo, um, obviously uh, a lot of legwork done to connect with the Hispanic community and obviously – a community with a large Hispanic population being in New Mexico after all. Um, I, th- I thought the Albuquerque isotopes deserved a nod for uh, their role in Copa with the mariachis. I uh, also have the River Dogs, Charleston River Dogs. They're a team that seems to end up every year <laughs> among the nominees with something or other. This year they did, uh, if you guys remember, we had Nate, we about this, uh, right? Nate Carant and Philip, who's no longer with the team, Phil Geary, um, talk about this promotion, but promotion, but the long and the short of it is, uh, Joseph P. Riley in the amazing Technicolor ballpark. They took, uh, color packets like colored cornstarch and threw it all around the stadium during the seventh inning and created a huge mess. But truly, I think, if you're buying into that experience, one of the most memorable things you're going to see at a ballpark. And they had tie-dye grilled cheese. I mean, come on now. How <laughs> often are you going to see that in places where the grilled cheese isn't 15 weeks old? That's true. They did have tie-dye grilled cheese at the ballpark. Uh, we got Fresno, the Grizzlies. Uh, if you remember, they did the Coming to America promotion where they played as the Zamunda Lions. That one went viral. You probably remember that one. But tons of detail and tons of great stuff going on with that one. Frisco Rough Riders, Dude Perfect Night. You know, Dude Perfect, the uh, tricks, uh, sports trick shot artists. They came to the ballpark, and they're based around the Frisco area. So some of the Dude Perfect baseball videos are already being filmed at Dr. Pepper Ballpark. But anyway, they drew a franchise record crowd for Dude Perfect Night. The really? Frisco Rough Riders, over 12,000 people. Huh. Yeah, uh, That was interesting to me uh greensboro grasshoppers did a fun one with the royal wedding with the bobblehead of the royal couple uh, as well as you know tea time at the stadium and big ben chiming at the start of every inning and choosing a local royal couple uh to honor in all sorts of ways at the ballpark but a really well done multifaceted theme night uh the lansing lug nuts uh they actually at the promo seminar they won the best theme night uh golden bobblehead for this one and that the golden the golden bobbleheads are voted on by people who work in the industry, but they did uh, backyard baseball night with the Pablo Sanchez uh, bobblehead, and we were talking before we went on air about how 
for me and, 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 and Tyler as well, backyard baseball was a little after our time, but obviously this promotion was hugely successful. If you grew up playing that particular video game and, uh, enjoyed the slugging prowess of, uh, Pablo Sanchez, which I'm, I imagine you did, Sam. Yes, I did. I was more of a Kenny Kawaguchi man myself. Uh, <laughs> for anybody who knows Kenny Kawaguchi, he was the kid in the wheelchair, um, which was great for some like when you were playing on harder surfaces he could just literally wheel around all the bases uh but then in, when games you were playing in sand it was unfortunate uh, but <laughs> kenny was like one of my favorite pitchers because he would his follow-through wouldn't be to you know finish on his legs because he couldn't do that he would wheel around twice so every like pitch spin around swing around yeah wow. that's cool he was also my kicker in backyard football um, because he would literally swing and hit his wheelchair with the football and still kick it 40 yards. So, anyways, oh, so they were like crossover characters between those games. Oh, yeah. No, all the all the original oh. kids uh, were, were the same from okay. game to game. But they had like individual players. From, so like Nomar Garcia-Para was in Backyard Baseball or um, I think Brett Favre may have been in Backyard Like they had gotcha. – you could make uh, mixes of original characters in MLB, NFL, NBA, whatever, stars. Huh. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was like that was like one step behind. I was saying before we started recording, you could tell what kind of the average age of voting was uh, for this year's Golden Bobblehead because that was like barely a step behind me in terms of my uh, my video game progression throughout my youth. My best friend growing up, Travis Owen, his younger brother Ryan. Ryan was like obsessed with backyard baseball, so it was like that next level of video game right behind us which would be uh which would be sam basically yeah um so there now you now you know pablo sanchez uh everybody's hero yeah there you have it i mean i didn't see any team doing a bases loaded promo because that was my uh <laughs> that was or maybe bases loaded too but I that was nobody's my done ken griffey jr baseball to be honest like especially in mariners that's the greatest baseball game in the history of video games ken griffey jr baseball for super nintendo and i can't believe nobody has done that yet well, that I go. know of, anyway. There Wouldn't you go. You have to get, would you Minor have to get baseball. all those made-up players to sign for their rights and stuff? Probably. How, how would you'd have to work? get, like, B. Bridge from the Yankees because they didn't have uh, an MLBPA <laughs> license, so they just named everything after New York landmarks for the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, Bases Loaded had a team from Jersey, and the Sluggers <laughs> were paced in Bay, and it was always like, oh, man. And my brother would always play as Jersey, Jersey. And, just beat, and beat me with paste in Bay. <laughs> Two different players, but paste was the real one. Like, <laughs> like, so, you know, that's how old I am. I'd rather have a paste bobblehead instead of Pablo San- Sanchez. <laughs> Sounds like it really stuck with you, Ben. It really did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sam, it did. It did. <laughs> oh, what a Sam Ah, uh, See, there we go. Yeah. So anyway, that was one of the 10 nominees that we just spoke about, uh, incidentally, for about 12 to 15 minutes. But uh, <laughs> also, um, Levi, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, LV, Once LeBron, you know, hashtag, when they did the huge uh, viral camp campaign to get LeBron to uh, you know mimic Michael Jordan and play a season in the minor, in minor league baseball specifically wanting them wanting LeBron to play on the Iron Pigs that started with a billboard but it went you know progressed all the way to a night at the stadium and uh, you know got them a ton of attention did the night at the stadium happen after he signed with the Lakers it was right around the signing deadline, and I I can't remember the exact timing. If maybe he had signed with the Lakers a few days early at that point, I can't remember. The promo itself was was designed to be right around the the, oh, the yeah, deadline, like the opening of free agency in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Not the deadline. The I just open, remember yeah, that, the opening that of that being period. such a cool thing, and then it fizzled pretty quickly once he and not that it was ever actually going to happen, but it the Lakers as they are one to do just took the fun so much out of it they did they kind of ruined this one a little bit the the iron pigs had fun while it lasted um another huge one i expect this one to do well on the vote if i was guessing but we, you know we'll let the voters decide but the the deaf awareness night in myrtle beach um you know really cool promotion where they um wore the american sign language jerseys and uh had uh curtis pride a former outfielder who was deaf out at the ballpark uh, conducting skills clinic uh, had, in the hall of fame now by the way the pelicans were posting about that last week they had uh, a jersey um taken to cooperstown last week and uh, enshrined in the baseball hall of fame yeah they they brought that to Exactly what you said, Tyler. They, they literally members of the front office brought that jersey to Cooperstown because it had never been done before. And uh, then, you know, co- kind of coincidentally, we had a couple months later the Baltimore Orioles do the first ever uh, Braille jersey. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was and cool. yeah, as far as I know, there was obviously no. It was just coincidental the timing of those two things. But I think two things, uh, you know, one incurring the minors, one in the majors. But I think both set templates for promotions we're going to see in 2019 and beyond. But uh, Pelicans did a great job with this one. And this is one of those things that you don't have to worry about it being like, oh, it's not an original idea. We can't use this. Like there are going to be people in every community 
who could who would love to see their local team like wear a depth awareness yeah shirt without a doubt without a doubt you know future ones might not be nominated for milby awards or be talking about with golden bobbleheads or going viral on the internet but that doesn't really matter as we've talked about before what matters is that the community is something that they can uh, that they can respond to the attention's great and it helps beget more great promos but um yeah i think we'll see a lot of that yeah um, but you know, there's so much sandlight, uh, sandlot, sandlight, lots, sand lot nights in the minor leagues, uh, this season, you know, it was the 25th anniversary of that classic baseball film, which I still haven't seen, but, um, didn't somebody send it to you? Yeah. And like send you a yeah, Ed, copy? Ed in Fort Myers. I'm sorry, Ed. I still haven't watched it yet. Um, I chose Potomac. This is already controversial online. Uh, the Salt, Salt Lake, Lake Bees are, are angry at me, and I don't want the bees angry at me. <laughs> I chose Potomac because they had squints at the ballpark, the bobblehead, the theme jersey, um, just kind of everything all in one, bobblehead, theme jersey, celebrity guest, and um, you know some pretty unique um, between-inning contests and uh, ballpark elements I hadn't seen in some of these other promotions including a Babe Ruth forgery station, like a Babe Ruth signature forgery station. <laughs> and um, fans could enter the beast's backyard to search for home run balls. That's and, uh, great. Uh, that, that that's something yeah, I love. That, uh, what I, I thought was, was interesting about it is it appears – that they did the bobblehead of Chauncey Leopardi, the actor, as an adult and not squints from the movie. Like, it's not cheesy-looking 60s squints. It's like the grown adult version of squints. That I found to be an interesting twist. That is a strange twist. Um, I don't know what their motivation was on that, but you know, it was unique. And, and there weren't too many teams. There's so many Sandlot nights, but not too many teams that had the sort of triple crown and then some of the jerseys giveaways celebrity guests everything uh, all in one uh, shout out to the salt lake bees uh they had more cast members out for their promo than anything else and maybe elements i'm missing and um that really does speak to as you guys know in any category there's just going to be omissions and uh, you know it's easy to feel bad about it and feel uh you know, but what can you do? Yeah, if anything, if a team feels slighted, we're just giving them another chance to talk about their promotion. Yeah, exactly. And feel free to add me. Ben's biz, like, you know, the one who ruined it for you, Salt Lake. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I like Salt Lake a lot. I don't want them to be mad. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. Anyway, one more promotion nominated. And then please go vote for the promo of the year Milby Award. But this was personally one of my favorite of the whole year. Uh, Syracuse Chiefs did the salute to the Brannock device, and you probably – we've talked about this yeah, one this uh, cool. throughout the season. And uh, Paul Lucas from Uniwatch actually made a trip to the ballpark because of Brannock device is his favorite device or Still his favorite thing. fandoms I've ever heard he of. He has them. a tattoo of it. Yeah, so the Brannock device for those need in need of a refresher uh, was invented in Syracuse, and what it is is the foot measuring tool that even if you don't know it's called the Brannock device, you've certainly seen one before. You're already picturing it in your head. Yeah, when you go to a shoe store um, of any kind, it's that uh, – what you measure the your foot in. The thing, tool that you put your foot in, and somehow they tell you whether you're a 10 and a half or an 11. Yeah, um, it's ubiquitous, but – but anonymous, and I think that's what Paul Lucas likes about it so much uh, with UniWatch. But you know, they actually once this picked up, um, you know, got some press coverage, got the UniWatch interest uh, X, Y, and Z. You know, the team then started adding elements to it where they actually had theme jerseys and they played as the devices. You talk about how bizarre you know theme jerseys have gotten in recent years and the things that the, the names that teams employ. But is there anyone just sort of weirder or more random or more truly? unexpected than a team playing as the devices in honor of the Brannock device. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's we go to the trade show every year and they have just those, you know, racks and racks of jerseys of like, here's what you could look like in a Star Wars jersey. Here's what you could look like in a Sandlot jersey, whatever. And it's just like insert your team name here. Can't imagine they're going to have devices <laughs> jerseys just lined up probably not you know it was invented in syracuse so probably a pretty limited market for uh brannock device promos across the land but if you want you know that the the chief set a template and i think what they did really set a template for is thinking about the things in your market that are unique that were invented there famous residents and how you can really blow that out um and have fun with something that's a little absurd but also that's something that speaks deeply to uh your region specifically and i, I that's what i like about this so much i'm just say saying i would like to see one other team try to pull this off <laughs> try to like thread the needle of like we would also like to be the brandic devices and here's our like the everett aquas hawks i don't know i just picked the team off the top of my head but uh, it's just so completely random. You picked one of the few teams that kind of has a foot reference in its name. I guess that's true. <laughs> ah. that's a good point. 
That's true. Yeah. See, there you go, Everett. You, we've there already you come up with it for you. Yeah, you wear your Aqua socks when you use the Brannock device. So uh, bring it out to the West Coast, Everett, with your own Brannock device promotion in 2019. In the meantime, Syracuse is the only team that's done it. And uh, those are the nominees. And they you know, present in a slightly rambling fashion. But please, you know, go to milb.com slash milb.com slash milbies and uh, click on the promo category and uh, vote for your favorites. And it's fun to just look at the nominees and relive uh, all the great promos that happened in 2018 season because it wasn't that long ago. And uh, in the meantime, I'll be writing a story about the promo seminar and uh, about Nate Courant from uh, Charleston River Dogs and uh, his time at the seminar and how uh, his time at the seminar might lead to the uh, devising a promotion that will be a big one in 2019. So I'll kind of follow the uh, – the whole process throughout the off season of developing a promotion. And it starts with uh, the promo seminar itself. And there'll be a story, uh, part one of a series uh, debuting tomorrow on the website. Do we, do we know how many parts are going to be in that series? We do not yet. Is I'm, that I, dependent on uh, Nate and Charleston? Yeah, it depends on how uh, this all develops. But I'd say between three and five parts. And uh, potentially, you know, ending with me going to Charleston to actually mm. witness um, to witness a promotion that you know I've been writing about through the off season in terms of how it develops. And uh, but it all starts at the promo seminar in terms of uh, you know networking with your peers and getting some ideas and then uh, seeing what it leads to. Cool, cool is right, Sam. <laughs> ben, what else is uh, is coming up? This is we when we get to the end of the season every year, you kind of get a chance to go back through some of the stuff that you may have missed from road trips and obviously preview stuff that's coming up over the off season. We know you're going to take a look at the process of promos for 2019. What else is, uh, is on the docket for you? Yeah, not too much. I mean, beyond what we've talked about uh, already. Um, and as I mentioned uh, in previous weeks, I'm, Whenever I have downtime, I'm, I'm going back and uh, finishing all my uh, on-the-road posts, all the little things I didn't get around to the first time. So there have been new posts appearing like pretty much every day this week. Uh, more detail on Augusta, uh, Charlotte coming soon, on Jacksonville. Um, um, you know, I wrote about those teams when I visited, of course, did some milb.com features. But on the blog, I've, I've got like the full-length, full-treatment blog post because it's important to me to to uh, you know, to do this in detail, especially with this milestone season of having been everywhere, I want to make sure every place gets the coverage, uh, the f- full coverage, even if it takes me a while to finish it all off. So uh, stay, stay with me on the blog, bensbiz.mlblogs.com. It is still in season in my mind in terms of what I'm writing about, but it will all end soon. Here's an idea: What if you watched the Sandlot and wrote about it? I've actually had that idea, and maybe uh, mentioning it right now. Um, you know, I um, you know I partnered with Versus Cancer this year as a yeah. terrible element to my road trips. I was thinking about maybe, uh, you know, saying like, okay, if I can raise X amount of money uh, for Versus Cancer, that's a then great I, idea. That is a good watch idea. the Sandlot, and not just watch it, but write about it. Um, in detail, like a, a you know someone who's watching it for the first time in my late 30s, 25 years after the movie came out, and I will actually uh, write a long essay about it. Um, but I need to figure out the parameters of this uh, <laughs> of this deal, Different and maybe idea. yeah. And, and another thing we talked about last off season that never happened, uh, you know, even try to do like a minor league baseball Twitter watching of the Sandlot, and you know, just get uh, yeah. work in the front offices and broadcasters just to pick a day and to say like, I'm down. Throw yeah. you know, throw it on, and uh, you know, people can live tweet it if they want. But uh, you know, be, whatever. We're all starting at it, you know, exact same moment, eight thirty Eastern yeah. time, or like the case or, like Earth Hour. Yeah, yeah. Sandlot so night. Yeah, Sandlot night. So there are some ideas here, um, but I think that is a fun off-season thing to do, maybe with a charitable tie-in and maybe just something that will connect all of us uh, across the country and our love of baseball and give us something uh, fun to do. And, um, you know, that's really what it's all about. Benjamin Hill on Twitter, at Ben's Biz. The blog is bensbiz.mlblogs.com, and you can vote for the promo of the year at milb.com slash milbies slash promo, or you can just go to slash milbies, and you can check out all of the voting categories there. And, uh, Ben, um, cast your ballot. And uh, Do you even get to cast your ballot? You probably you're – you're an objective observer. You're just there to write about it. That's right. You know, it's the Internet. I could anonymously uh, cast True. some ballots, True. And, uh, but I don't. I uh, hover above the fray and observe it all with a <laughs> dispassionate eye. We actually have software on Ben's computer to make sure he doesn't To vote. monitor his voting? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't appreciate that, but I didn't, you know. Company policy. It is company see. policy. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Tyler, and thank you, Sam. My gum is in the trash, and I'm sorry. So 
So big thanks to Ben. He's on Twitter at Ben's Biz. And uh, with that, we'll talk some baseball for the uh, 181st episode of the Show Before the Show podcast. The Arizona Fall League is underway. Recording this on Wednesday. Last night was opening night in the AFL, uh, October 9th. Six teams in the Arizona Fall League, each boasting players from five major league affiliates. Um, The 2018 AFL roster ranking Sam had up on the site this week from uh, his latest Toolshed column, and we'll talk about some of those um, as the uh, as the segment rolls along. But when you uh, look at the 2018 AFL, Sam, which is now underway, Vlad Guerrero is there. That's uh, a huge thing. What stands out as the biggest storyline? Is it Vlad? Is it something else? What's the biggest storyline for the 2018 Fall League? No, I feel like it has to be Vlad. Yeah. Um, just because that's, you know, again, we talked about this before with Peter Alonso. Uh, Vlad, we thought, might have a chance to be in the majors at this point. Obviously didn't work out. Lots going into that in terms of service time and the Blue Jays likely wanting to keep him around for an extra year and and not wanting to start that clock. Um, That's the way the system is set up. I get it. Uh, But at the end of the day, as I also mentioned earlier, you know, he did only play 95 games. You still want him getting a little bit more at a couple more at bats. Uh, The AFL is exactly set up for this. Uh, But not only that, this this is just another chapter in what's obviously been a special 2018 season for him. Uh, just running past the numbers again, the you know, 381 average uh, was flirting with 400 going into you know, mid-August, late August. Finished with a 1.073 OPS uh, between you know rehab appearances in the GCL and FSL, and spending the bulk of the year at AA New Hampshire and AAA Buffalo. Um, you know what can he do in the fall league? We generally consider the fall league to be the prospect finishing school, so this will be Vlad's chance to show just how dominant he is, and really a chance for him to show how wrong the Blue Jays were and not, you know, calling him up. At, at this point, the only test really for him out there is the major leagues. Even though the fall league is going to be filled with top prospects, guys like Forrest Whitley, um, you know, some really really good arms, a lot of high velocity, especially since they're. Re- throwing in, in shorter stints Vlad's shown that he's been able to conquer this before you know playing double a playing triple a uh the the talent at the afl is usually amalgus to somewhere between double a AA and triple a and he's already done so well against pitching like that um so you know i fully expect him to to pick up right where he left off he already did that he got three hits and three rbis and in his opener it, it seemed like no time uh had had you know passed uh since he last appeared in the minor league game uh, i actually put up a poll yesterday at one point he had an ops of exactly 1000 uh and i asked people you know do you think over the course of the afl in the coming weeks uh will his ops be above 100 below or above 1000 below 1000 or exactly 1000 83 percent of people said they thought he was it was going to be above 1000 which is just crazy because that's something so rare that we see nowadays uh, from our offensive hitters. And for that to be the expectation for Vlad uh, in the coming weeks tells you, A, about his talent level, B, about just the expectation game with him given who he is, who he's proven himself to be, and you know, being the number one overall prospect in the game. Uh, just how high can he ascend? Can he ascend any higher? You know, If he were to hit 400 in the AFL, would we think about him – even more highly than we do right now uh or if we were to hit 250 would we think any less of them i don't know that's what we'll have to keep watching here in the coming weeks um i'm i'm excited that we get more vlad again i wish it was in the major leagues uh but the fact that we're going to get you know four or five weeks of them it, it is exciting all the same you just get the feeling he'll probably have something to work on for eh, three to four weeks at the start of next season in Buffalo. You just kind of get the feeling with top prospects these days. There'll probably be just that one last thing to iron out at the start of the next season. Um, the the next topic is uh, AFL campaign, Sam. Um, and again, the AFL preview that Sam has up for Toolshed on the site ranks all six rosters in terms of uh, their talent level, their top 100 prospects, um, and what to sort of expect from them. Who has the most to prove? Um, Vlad, I think right now he has so much in hand already. The only thing Vlad, I think, could prove would be negative. If Vlad were to go out and for some reason lay an egg and he had three hits in his debut, so I don't really see that happening, it seems like that's the only thing that we could see from Vlad that we're not really expecting, which is kind of remarkable. We just sort of expect that Vlad's going to go out and dominate wherever he is. Who has the most to prove, though, in the 2018 Fall League from your vantage point? 
Yeah, I would almost even say Vlad has the least to prove. Yeah. Um, you know, he is a major league ready product that nothing that happens over the coming weeks, barring a major injury, is going to change that. Um, but that being said, I think most to prove is Monte Harrison, uh, somebody we've talked about, a former top 100 guy, but he's actually dropped out of the top 100. MLB.com updated their top 100 uh, just after the season ended. He moved out of it. Now Miami, the Miami Marlins, who we all know is a rebuilding franchise, don't have a top 100 prospect. They need more talent. They need the talent that they already have to grow in special ways. Harrison, this was his first full year uh, as a Marlin, coming over from the Brewers last year in that Christian Yelich trade. Uh, and let's be honest, that trade already looks amazing for Milwaukee. Um, but Harrison spending all this year at AA Jacksonville ended up leading all of the Meyer leagues in strikeouts with 215 in 136 games uh, with the Jumbo Shrimp. Hit 240 with a 316 OBP, 399 slugging. Um, you know, showed showed the raw tools were there. He ended up with 19 homers and 28 stolen bases. Uh, and that's exactly what he is again this year is just raw talent. Um, you know, he's incredibly fast, has an incredible arm in the outfield, could play at center or right. Uh, I expect him to maybe get a little bit of time in each, probably more center. Um, but the way the AFL works, there's so many center fielders that he might end up having to move to a corner for a little bit. Um, but he has to show he's going to be able to make enough contact. Uh, even the Marlins were saying, you know, people were asking, oh, why didn't he get bumped up to New Orleans uh, this year? Which seemed like a silly question because somebody who hit 240 with 200 plus strikeouts didn't exactly earn that chance. Um, but, you know, why didn't he get there? And like, well, he, he has to improve his contract or his contact rate. And we feel like he did that as the season went on. Even August on to the end of the year, he was still striking out in 30 percent of his plate appearances, uh, which is crazy. So, you know, he's coming in here show, having to show that he is more than just a flashy, maybe fourth outfielder, uh, that he can be a long term solution for the Marlins. You know, they already had a problem this year with Lewis Brinson, who looked like a potential five tool star again, coming over from the Brewers, uh, laying an egg in his first full major league season with the club uh they can't afford these things to keep happening with the raw talent that they get in these trades um so harrison if he can improve his contact rate to even 25 percent strikeouts this this fall league season and you know still show really really good speed and a lot of you know bat speed a lot of power uh you know he could be right back in that top 100 conversation but um you know that's a lot riding on just a couple weeks and you know, given the way his 2018 season went during the regular season, um, you know, he, he's going to need to make every, you know, every game count here uh, before Thanksgiving. One thing that I really like about the Toolshed uh, team rankings, there is a wild card player listed for each roster, and it, it kind of ties in with our last topic for uh, this season's AFL preview. You're under the radar pick, Sam. It seems like each roster probably has a handful of guys you could deem that, but who stands out above the rest as being an under-the-radar success? seems like every year there's one or two guys who put themselves on the map in the fall league. Who is it in 2018? Yeah, so I've got two. I'll give you a hitter and a pitcher. Actually, neither of them feature in the tool shed, um, which you should still read because there are going to be tons of names, including Monte so Harrison. Doubly under the radar. Doubly under the radar. Yeah, wild card I kind of thought of as um, somebody you might not be talking about right now, but could really, really do well. Under the radar is like especially um, – or like wild card – I don't know. It, it Somebody who's not a top 100 guy but um, is – coming with something to prove under the radar is something some of these guys i don't think anybody's really talking about yet one is joe mccarthy in the ray system uh only played 47 games this year at triple a durham uh, was dealing with a back injury for most of the year so again making him a kind of perfect afl candidate um, but it's been a really interesting hitter, you know, through his first four seasons in the race system. Uh, he was a fifth round pick in 2015 out of Virginia, usually a high OBP guy. He had a 409 OBP last year at double A Montgomery in 127 games. Uh, this year at Durham seemed like he's turned on the power a little bit, uh, ended up with a 513 slugging percentage and a 377 OBP. So kind of putting those two things together, uh, hit eight home runs, had a triple and 13 doubles in his 47 games. Um, almost half of his, or a little bit more than half of his actually, hits went for extra bases. So those are 22 extra base hits in 43 hits. Um, you know, if he can kind of put together a good fall league, show that it was more than just a small sample success, uh, 
during his time with Durham. I think that's somebody who could see his stock certainly go up uh, here in the coming weeks. You know, as we mentioned during the uh, Milby segment, the, the Rays certainly have had a good 2018 season, and they certainly have a strong system. Uh, but right now, Joe McCarthy sits at 17, um, and you know the clock's ticking a little bit. He's already 24 was a college pick he's rule five eligible this year uh, he's got something to prove here that he can push his way onto the 40-man roster if he can carry a little bit of that slugging and on-base success that he showed it in the il uh, i could see his stock certainly going up here in the coming weeks um and, and talking about monte harrison and how the marlins really need some of these prospects to do well another guy who came over in that yellich deal was jordan yamamoto uh who i really like this year uh you know, he had his own injury issues. I think he was dealing with a right shoulder impingement to start the year. Uh, so he ended up starting slow, didn't move to Jupiter, I think, until May. May 27th was his first start there, uh, but posted a 1.55 ERA and seven starts in the FSL. Uh, posted a 2.12 ERA and, and three starts after moving up to double-A Jacksonville. Ended the year with a 1.83 ERA, 85 strikeouts and only 14 walks in 68 and two-thirds innings. He was pretty limited because of the shoulder issues, um, but now moving you know, to the AFL, uh, taking the reins off a little bit, um, but again, going up against higher quality competition, that's the thing with him is that he hasn't seen the, uh, the upper levels really that much, only three starts at double A. Uh, if he can start going after some of these other hitters, uh, showing that A, his control is going to play against you know more patient hitters and also his stuff, which includes an above average curveball and kind of an okay fastball and okay change. If that's even going to play against double A and triple A level hitters, uh, you know he's right now ranked number 16 with the Marlins, but he could become a top 10 uh, player for for them with a strong fall league as well so those are two names to keep an eye on we're going to be going over this for the weeks to come we're not just putting this off to the side we're doing roundups every day uh tyler mentioned he's got a story on peter alonzo we're going to be doing a lot of afl coverage and storylines and and day-to-day coverage so this is just a preview for right now but I can't wait to see what we learn just because baseball is back amongst minor league prospects. In the Arizona Fall League, I feel like we talk about this every year, but if if you have a chance to go to the AFL, it is maybe my favorite baseball thing. The atmosphere is just so different. It's so laid back. You're so close to elite-level talent. Um, It's the only place that you're going to watch Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with yourself and, like, 50 of your closest friends. Like, the crowds aren't that big. Um... It's just a really fascinating atmosphere, and it's an all-star game every day. I mean, these are the the elite prospects from these teams um, that have all gone down to uh, to the Phoenix area for the Arizona Fall League. So if you get a chance, if you're down there, if you find yourself um, around Phoenix in uh, from now until really just before Thanksgiving, uh, go for it. Um, check out some AFL games because it's one of the most unique and uh, entertaining baseball atmospheres you'll ever find yourself in and uh, go read tool shed it's up on the site right now you can get um, set for the 2018 afl with all of the most pertinent information and um, we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a moment Uh, good stuff as always sam nice work on the afl preview oh thank you you're welcome buddy wrapping it up next final segment of episode 181 of the show before the show podcast you can head to milb.com slash milbies right now and cast your ballot for the best of minor league baseball in 2018 best offensive player best starting pitcher best team best farm system best defensive play of the year presented by terminix uh we've got all kinds of good stuff up on the milbies page right now and you can cast your ballot for all of those categories and uh also Go to MILB.com and check out Sam's Toolshed column on the AFL, and uh, that'll do it. I know there will be some AFL uh, TV coverage as the season goes along on MLB.com. Um, it's generally after the postseason ends, so if you are starved for prospect TV coverage, that'll be coming, but you have to wait through, you know, the League Championship Series and the World Series before then. Unbelievable. And let's just give a quick shout-out as well to our – I think we talked about this last week. The organization All-Stars have started. Yes. Um, we're continuing that rollout. Uh, I had the Boston Red Sox this week. So if you're a Red Sox fan who is looking for something to to read in between the start of of the or in between the end of the ALDS and the start of the ALCS check out the site for that today on Wednesday we came out with uh, Chicago White Sox that was by Rob Terranova featuring a lot of the names you're expecting and some of them you may not be Uh, and then I think on Friday we have the Cincinnati Reds which will be written by Kelsey Hennigan so uh, those will be continuing throughout the offseason including through the AFL so just because it's the offseason doesn't mean we're, we're stop rolling stuff out 
That's all at MILB.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap up this week's show. He's Sam Dykstra. I'm Tyler Mom. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.